Jesus wants those who follow him to experience incredible freedom. Out of that comes fullness of joy and undeniable fruitfulness. Are you experiencing those things? Do you feel free, full, and fruitful? You need to abide if you want to experience those things. In this transparent testimony, Dana Gresh talks about making a commitment to abide in Christ as an eight-year-old girl, but then wandering and finding herself in bondage rather than free. She also shares how she learned to abide in Christ so that she could experience freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness. This message was originally delivered at Dana's alma mater, Cedarville University, during Homecoming Week Chapel in 2021. Dana was named Alumna of the Year. All right, today, um, I wanna talk about the secret of fruitfulness. The secret of fruitfulness. I imagine that you're here at Cedarville for lots of different reasons, but one of them, for most of you, is probably because you have a burning desire in your heart to do something for Jesus, right? You wanna be fruitful. You wanna live a life that matters, that counts for eternity. And so today, I wanna talk about the secret to being fruitful. Now, um, I do, I, I am, the Lord has used me in spite of me. I have lived a fruitful life, and by His grace, I will continue to do that until the day I see Jesus face to face. But it is kind of hard for me to believe that, and it's kind of hard for me to believe that I would be standing in front of you today um, for basically three reasons. One is, as a Cedarville University student, I was far from the smartest woman in the room. Uh, we're talking, I came as an elementary education major, and as a sophomore in college, I failed elementary math. And my advisor sat me down kindly and said, you know, the thing is, if you want to teach elementary math, you need to be able to do elementary math. And so, off to the communication arts department I went, there was no math involved, they loved me, they accepted me, but here's the problem. I was not a good communicator. We're talking horrific communicator. My first speech at Cedarville University was supposed to be an informational speech coming in at seven minutes, timed in at a whopping 22 solid minutes. And my professor left the class and went into her next class, advanced public speaking, and said, I just heard the worst speech I've ever heard in my history of teaching, and I'm pretty confident it's the worst I will ever hear. Unfortunately for her, my boyfriend, Bob Gresh, was sitting in the front row of that class. So news got back to me. Wasn't great for my confidence. So, so it's kind of amazing that I'm here today, but the biggest thing that held me back from being fruitful in my life wasn't my abilities. It never is. It's never about you. It's always about Jesus. The biggest thing that held me back was that I was believing a lie, except I didn't know it. What I was aware of is that I walked around living my life in a cloak of shame. And when I walked through the doors of this chapel, I felt deeply lonely. I felt deeply ashamed of who I was. And the lie that I was holding on to, that I would yet discover, 
was that God can never use me. God can never use me. I wonder what emotions you drag into this room every day. Maybe shame, maybe depression, maybe anxiety, maybe fear. What do you bring into this room when you come to worship the Lord, when you come to open the word that's supposed to bring us freedom, what do you drag in here with you day after day after day? Whatever it is, I know this, I don't need to know what it is to know the truth and that is that Jesus wants you to experience freedom from that. I know that because the key verse of True Girl is John 8, 31 and 32 and it's such the heartbeat of what we wanna do through our ministry. Um, you probably know it, it says, um, if you abide in me, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from depression, free from anxiety, free from addiction and sin, free from shame. Free from the fear or the lie that God can never use you. He wants to set you free. Now, he wants to set you free. We love that part of the verse, right? Pour it on, Jesus, give me the freedom but we often truncate verse 32 from verse 31. See, there's something we have to do to cooperate with God's work in our lives. It's called abiding in him. If you abide in me, you're truly my disciples. If you abide in me, if you abide in me, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So many of us are sitting around in churches all across America and we are so saved, but we are far from fully free. We look so much like the rest of the world in our anxiety and our depression and our stress. Why would the world want what we have if we don't live in this full freedom that Jesus has promised to us? We've gotta abide. What does it mean to abide? Well, some versions say, remain in me, remain in me. Jesus is saying, stay, stay with me, stay close. Draw near, please don't leave me. Imagine the God of the universe asking you, asking me, stay. But we wonder, or is it just me? Have you wondered? Have you failed to stay? You know, the first sign that we're wandering is often our emotions the shame, the depression, the anxiety, the fear, all the bad stuff kicks in, the grief that never, never relents, our emotions. So I wanna say a couple things about emotions. First of all, emotions are a good thing, a very good thing. How do I know that? Genesis one, God created our emotions and he declared everything he created was good. So our emotions are good, even the bad ones are good and have a useful purpose if we are using them the way that God designed us. So emotions are good, emotions, are messengers. That's how God designed them to function. They're supposed to show up, you feel them, and they're telling you something. They're telling you something, and if you listen to God's voice, if you listen to God's spirit, they'll tell you what they're telling you, and you'll respond, and then the messenger will go away, because that's what messengers do. They bring the message, and then they leave you alone. If I'm stressed, for example, highly stressed out of my mind, and it never goes away. It's probably because I haven't done anything to fix the stress. 
And so I might need to do less. I might need to say the brave words, no. And then the stress will go away. See, that's what emotions are supposed to do. But here's the problem. Some of us in here have an emotion that no matter what we do, no matter how we tend to it, no matter how much we fight the shame, the depression, the anxiety, and I wanna be very careful to say, there are, in a lot of cases, medical components. We are physical beings. And sometimes we need to use the tools that God gives us to take care of our physical beings, physicians, Christian counselors. But listen to me, listen to me. So many times we run to that and we don't do the spiritual things that need to be done in our lives. We don't abide in Christ so that we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. And, and so I, I was talking to my husband well, I was writing a book for tween girls on emotions and, and working on getting them to be set free because boy, at 12 years old, whew, you do not really want to spend a whole lot of time with a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> Emotionally wealthy does not even come close to describing it. Do, do any of you girls want to confess right now that this was true of you, perhaps? We are emotionally wealthy. We don't know what to do with our emotions when we're just beginning to feel them and experience them. You know what? I asked if the girls could confess. You did not need to point to your friend. <laughs> I saw that. So I was asking my husband, how do I tell a 12-year-old girl that if, if the emotion comes and gives them a message and they do stuff but it doesn't go away, that that is a sign of a lie in their life and that they're not experiencing the freedom and they don't know the truth and they need to know the truth so that they can be... How do you say that to a 12-year-old girl? And he said, well, I think I would call that a sticky emotion. I was like, that's not just good for 12-year-old girls. That's good for, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, girls. <laughs> I love that. Don't you love that? A sticky emotion. A sticky emotion is a chronic negative emotion that never leaves, never goes away, will not submit to the truth of God, and it's sending you a message but the message is this, that there is a lie under the emotion in the root of your belief system, and the only thing you can fight that with is the person of Jesus Christ, because he is the truth, and he will set you free. So what are you going to do about that sticky emotion? Incidentally, I met Bob um, at Cedarville in an advanced writing class. We were a peer-graded class, so we broke off into groups, and um, none of the other groups had names, but Bob named us the Misplaced Modifiers. <laughs> and he's been naming Sticky Emotions and my books and all kinds of things ever since. He's the CEO of our ministry, and really me standing up here today is both of us up here because he is such a big part of the fruitfulness in my life. So my sticky emotions were shame and my lie that I would yet discover was that God could never use me. Um, for you to really understand how painful that was, how crippling that specific lie was, I need to back up a few years. I came to know the Lord as a very young girl, and at the age of eight, my mom handed me a devotion and a Bible and a notebook, and she sat, established an expectation in my life that I would abide in Christ, that I would abide in his word. She just handed it to me as if I was 28, like, you can do this. 
And I love that my mom did that for me. I love that she established that expectation. There's no junior salvation. There's no junior great commission. There's no junior Holy Spirit. Listen, if you are called to children's ministry, do not believe the lie that you have been given a second, that you're gonna one day graduate to the big people. That is the most important mission field. Most of us decide what we believe and have no significant changes before our 13th birthday. We don't have any significant changes to our belief system categorically after that birthday. If you are called to the mission field of children, you are called to one of the most important mission fields on the planet and you hold your head high. So my mom fostered this discipleship in me when I was eight years old. So when I went to a missions conference at my church, um, my spirit was very open to the spirit of God. And one day, you know, I walk into my church, my church was crazy for missions conferences. Like we had huts in the foyer and we had, we had like, you know, weird fruits from other lands for taste testing. Like it's all out everything. Flags of every nation covered the walls. And um, I remember this particular night that a missionary spoke and they asked if anyone is feeling called by God to the mission field or to the Bible, teaching the Bible, we want you to come forward. Of course, it's all the adults coming forward. And eight-year-old Dana, sign me up. I wanna go. I wanna do whatever it is. It was, and, and I remember that night, I remember the flags. And I knew right away I couldn't go yet because I was eight but I needed to get started. And so I went home and I, Lord, what do I do? And I felt like I needed a flag. So I made one. I made a construction paper flag and I, I put the letters TBFF on that flag, which stood for the Barker Family Fellowship. The Barker Family Fellowship, yeah, that works. And, and I, I told my parents and my brother, that they needed to report for devotions every day, family devotions, and I would be leading because I needed to start practicing. What passion I had for the Lord when I was eight and when I was nine and when I was 10 and when I was 11. I did everything I could. Like I volunteered, I taught the three-year-olds in Sunday school because it was the only ones that were really, I wasn't ready for the four-year-olds. I, I, as a junior, in a junior high schooler, I, a middle schooler, I, I volunteered for child, I, child evangelism fellowship. I just loved serving the Lord. But when I showed up at Cedarville University, the passion was gone. It had been replaced by shame. It had been replaced by a lie that told me to sit in the back row where I belonged. What happened? Well, I stopped abiding. I wandered. I didn't stay. I didn't remain. And at first, it was because I was serving Jesus. It, at first, it was because I was teaching Sunday school and volunteering for Child Evangelism Fellowship and I was the yearbook editor and I was on the soccer team and like there was so much I needed to do for God. I needed to do it, get out there and do, that I didn't just be with him. Listen to me. The busier you get, the more you need to abide 
The busier you get, the more you need to abide. The more responsibilities God's spirit puts upon you in your life, the more desperately you need to go into the closet and be with Jesus and be in his word. Because Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you have any potential to serve the Lord with your life, he has you in his crosshairs. And he had me in his crosshairs. Even at the age of 15, when I wasn't abiding, but I was serving the Lord, I could never ever have imagined that I would give the gift that God meant for me to give to my husband on my wedding night, that I would give that away to a 15 year old boy. Unthinkable, impossible. Not me. I'm the good girl. I'm the serve Jesus girl. I was 15. I was a baby. How old were you? The enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and when he devours you with sin, you know, Satan is such a fan of sin before we do it. There is no one more pro-choice than the devil when a woman walks into an abortion clinic. And there is no one more pro-life than the devil when she walks out. And after the sin, you sit in the aftermath and he tells you over and over and over and over again how disqualified you are. Covers you in a cloak of shame that you think warms you, comforts you, and tells you God can never use you. Well, enter Cedarville University's Daily Chapel. Guess what this is? This is communal abiding. That's what it is. It's communal abiding. And some of you are like, well, it's kind of required abiding. <laughs> and some of you are like, it's totally forced abiding, okay? But this shame-filled, couldn't pass elementary math, really couldn't communicate girl, sat in chapel day after day after day, and something started to happen. Shame is really pervasive. Shame is our deepest, most private emotion. It takes control of every part of our life. One of the parts of my life it took control of is I could not stand to look in the mirror. I would do everything I could to avoid it. And I, if I saw myself in a mirror, listen, you know what? I put my makeup on for almost 10 years without looking in the mirror, including my mascara, which the boys, I know you don't understand that this is like a superhuman power, but the girls, like to this day, I can put my mascara on in the dark. I feel the lashes. That is how much I avoided the mirror. Why? Because I was ashamed. And I noticed something as I started to be bathed in the word every day at chapel that one day I looked and I was like, I'm looking in the mirror? What is happening? Why am I not afraid to see that face? 
And I realized that Jesus was beginning to set me free. Listen, you may not even wanna be in this room. I am telling you that God's word does not return void. It does the work it comes to accomplish. And in my life, I did not know the word shame and understand that it, I mean, I knew the word. I didn't understand the concept of it operating in my life. I hadn't identified the lie that God couldn't use me yet, but God did. He saw the shame. He knew the lie was in the roots of my belief system. And he showed up at chapel every day and he used his word because what, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I was starting to know Jesus better and he was beginning to, 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 to loosen the shackles in my life. It made me hungry for the Lord. It made me hungry for the word. It made me hungry. You know, you know when we eat too many potato chips and you just want more? Listen, when you start eating carrots, that's what you crave. And when we feed our spirits with the bread of truth, the bread of life, we crave it, we want it. And I wanted it, so I started spending, for me it's a, an hour a day I spend with the Lord, most days. And you might say, oh, wow, that sounds really holy. No, I do it because I'm that unholy. Without Jesus, mm-mm. Talk about emotional wealth, I can bring it. I need Jesus that much. And so I've been abiding in him, and as I have been abiding, I have experienced the freedom that we read about in John 8, 31 and 32. I wanna invite you to abide. What am I asking you to do? Remain, stay, don't let the busyness pull you away from him. And if you have wandered, come back. Jesus is still saying abide. Jesus is still saying remain. Jesus is still saying stay. If you choose to abide, I want you to expect two things. These are promises that I think I can make you. If you abide, expect and accept the pruning. If you abide, expect and accept the pruning. If you have your Bibles, look at John 15 for me. I would love to read the entire passage here, but I live on a farm with fainting goats and Cindy Lou who ate the bottom of John 15. So we're just gonna read the top. Jesus will do what he needs to do with it. It says, I am the true vine and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The secret to fruitfulness is abiding, period. But if you abide, expect and accept the pruning. Listen, my sexual sin was just the manifestation and fruit of other deeper sins in my life, more pervasive, more controlling sins in my life, sins like unrepentance. If you're really sorry, you stop. If you're really repentant, you don't do it again. You turn around, you walk the other way, and I didn't do that. 
pride. There's a verse in the Bible that says, hey, be careful. If you think you're not gonna do it, you're probably gonna fall. And I did. Hard. Self-sufficiency. I can do it. I don't need to tell anyone. Nobody needs to know. I'll find my way back to Jesus on my own. Self-sufficiency. You know what James 5.16 has to say about that? Confess your sins one to another. Yeah, that sin, the one you're thinking about right now, the one you're thinking, I could never tell anybody. Underneath that is the fear of man and the the sin of self-sufficiency. Christianity is not a solo sport, friend. You are part of a body. You are part of a body. Confess your sins one to another. For the first, my first year or so at Cedarville, I was dragging around dead branches. I wonder if you're dragging around any dead branches. Branches that Jesus needs to prune. Pruning is a good thing. I prune the lilac bush on my farm. You know why? So that next summer it produces fruit, it produces flowers. Jesus needs to cut off the dead branches in your life. I got repentant. I broke off that relationship. I got humble. I realized that I had proven that I was capable of any sin and that I was a sinner. And I got dependent. I confessed my sin to my friends. And I got free. The very thing that you think will disqualify you, oh, if people knew, might sit you on the sideline for a moment or two as God heals your heart. That lilac bush, when I prune it real hard, it takes a year off. And sometimes we need to too. But after that, I became fruitful. That's when I got started to be fruitful. After I did those things, fruit started to happen in my life. Things I desired to do but couldn't do in my own human power. Listen, it's Jesus in us. It's his presence in us that produces fruit. And that fruit can't grow unless the dead branches are cut off. Here's the other promise I make you. If you abide in Christ... He'll reset your emotions and you'll experience love and joy. It it actually says that Cindy Lou who didn't eat these verses, so I'll read them to you. Verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, do you hear all the love? You know what happens when you start to experience love? The love of God, perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. So I can stand before you today because Jesus has cast fear out of my life through his love. The girl who was terrified to give a seven minute speech, I'm not as scared today. I I am a little scared. But perfect love is with me, in me, right now. And And then it says, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be full. Listen, a few years ago, I was invited to speak at chapel and it was was during a season of pruning. Boy, he likes to prune. Jesus, he loves his shears. Just prunes and prunes. And I, I don't know when and if there's a time when you get to be like, I'm done, come get me, Jesus, but I'm not there yet. It was at a season of pruning and the circumstances aren't important. It was a very painful time in my life. 
And so I showed up to Cedarville and I didn't have it in me. But I decided, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna abide, I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna pray. I think fasting is a very overlooked discipline in the Christian life. It's one way that we tell our flesh that they're not the boss of our spirits. And so I was fasting and I was praying and I was excited about ministering to you and I I was also excited about Colonial Pizza after. But I, but I was fasting, so I couldn't eat it like until the fast was over, which wasn't until the next day. But here's the thing. Because I was so needy for the presence of Jesus before I spoke in chapel, I spent the night abiding. And when I left chapel, the presence of his love was so deep in me, the joy was so deep in me that I went back to my room at the Hearthstone Inn and I kept eating granola and apples because I did not want to leave the presence of Jesus. And I want to tell you that I don't know there have been many times in my life that I experienced joy the way that I did that day. It's just like bubbling up effervescently, flowing out of me. Why, Why would I want to leave that? Listen, my circumstances hadn't changed. They were really bad. It is not our circumstances God needs to change. It's us. Elizabeth Elliot said, the secret is Christ in you, not a set of circumstances. Jesus will help you with your emotions. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set me so free that I've been fruitful. Very fruitful. And if that sounds prideful, man, you have not been in the pit of shame that I've lived in. You have not carried around the lie that God cannot use you because when I say I've been fruitful, I'm like, whoa, God did that with this? You know that lie, God can never use me? Well, a few years ago, my husband went to Dominican Republic and um, we get a lot of letters from the Dominicans that use our resources. And he came back and he said, God is really moving the Dominican Republic. I think we're supposed to start a, a, a true girl is supposed to be there. And I was like, no. Because I was so overloaded and so stressed out. How could I do anything else? How could I do more? So I said what we do, what we Christians do before we actually say no. Because I thought no, I didn't say it to him. I'm like, I'll pray about it. (laughs) And I did. And a few weeks later, my dear friend Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth called me. She said, I'd like you to help me do the first international Revive Our Hearts event. Will you go? And I said, sure. Where is it? She said, the Dominican Republic. So I went, and we have a beautiful, rich ministry, ministry team to all of Latin America out of the Dominican Republic, but let me tell you what happened at that event. At that conference, it was a room about this size with um, 3,000 or so women in it, and at the beginning of that event, I'm sitting there, and every now and then that thing rises up, oh, who are you, who are you, why are you here, how is God gonna use you? And I'm sitting there, and it's getting me, and, and, and then um, Nancy says, I'm so excited that women from all over Latin America are here today, and suddenly the crowd went crazy, and flags went up across the entire crowd from every country in Latin America. And it was like God's spirit said, do you believe now? Have you stopped believing the lie? How much fruit do you need to know I wanna use you? How much fruit? 
I know you had that thing about the flags, so I brought them here for you today. I felt like God was saying that to my heart. And next week, I'll see those flags again at another Revive Our Hearts event as we minister to women all across the world that come to Indianapolis. Abide, remain, stay, and if you've wondered, come back. Listen, I wanna pray for you just briefly. Would you stand up if you have believed the lie that God can't use you? If you've believed that at any point in your life, just for the, if maybe you're over it, but somebody else in the room needs to know, well, yeah, I believe that, I wanna pray for you. And if you're standing next to someone who's believed that, just put your hand on them. The Bible talks, oh gosh, you're all standing. Put your hands. <laughs> Father God, use these students in the name of Jesus Christ. Set them on a mission that can only be accomplished because you are in them and you are abiding in them and they are abiding in you. Father, set them free. Cut off the dead branches and May they give you permission to do that, Lord. You're such a gentleman. You don't bring the shears out until we submit. So Father, may they submit today, get honest before friends and family, be, be repentant and turn around. And Father God, make them fruitful and may they know the love and the joy of Jesus Christ in the way that I have. I pray this in the precious name of my matchless, the matchless name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. God bless. To experience the freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness of Jesus Christ, you've got to abide. A good reminder from Dana Gresh. That book Dana was talking about publishing is titled, And the Bride Wore White, Seven Secrets to Sexual Purity. After two decades, it's still one of the best-selling Christian books for teen and college-aged women. Get a copy at danagresh.com. As Dana mentioned, she's now actively involved with Revive Our Hearts as Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth's co-host. You can hear them every day on the Revive Our Hearts podcast found at reviveourhearts.com. This message was taped during Cedarville University Chapel and has been produced by Pure Freedom Ministries.